When I was a kid growing up in Southern California, we only had six television stations, Channel 2, Channel 4, Channel 5, Channel 7, Channel 9, and Channel 11, just six stations. I, I mentioned that just for the simple purpose of stating that, that really you were bound, you were limited in what you could watch and what you could view. But I remember on, on KTLA Channel 5 on Sunday afternoons when there was no sports, there was what they described as their Sunday matinee presentation. And it was here that I first uh, discovered when I was much younger, the 80s movie, I came across the 80s movie, Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love is a story of a young man by the name of Ronald Miller, a teenager, a teenager who is portrayed in this movie for lack of a, a better term, and as the, he is described in the movie, as a nerd. He likes computers and, and telescopes and, and science and all these other things. In fact, he has been mowing lawns. We discover in the movie that he's been mowing lawns all summer in order to save up to buy this $1,000 telescope. But, but Ronnie has another interest. Ronnie, that's what they call him in the movie. In one of the homes that he mows lives a young lady by the name of Cindy Mancini. And Ronnie, whenever he is there mowing her lawn, he dreams of having a girl like Cindy Mancini pay attention to him. She's the most popular girl in school, and, and he just would love to have this girl pay attention to him. His opportunity arises when one day he's at the mall and he sees Cindy across the way arguing with a sales store clerk. Ronnie is in another store and he's about to buy that telescope that he's been saving up all summer to purchase. But he sees Cindy across the way arguing with, uh, with another sales agent in another store. And so he goes to explore and to see what is going on. It turns out that Cindy has spilt something on her mom's brand new suede jacket, a jacket that she was told not to wear. And she's trying to, to get the sales clerk to exchange the jacket. And the sales clerk says, we don't exchange damaged goods. Cindy says, please help me. She says, no, we don't exchange damaged goods. Well, well what am I going to do? She goes, well, you can buy a new jacket. Well, how much are they? And, and the clerk names the price, nearly $1,000. Cindy says, I don't have that money. And she walks out of the store distraught. All the while, Ronnie's been listening in, overhearing the conversation. And he approaches her. He sees his opportunity. And he goes up to Cindy and he, asks, he tells her this. I will buy your mom's new jacket with that $1,000 he's been saving for the telescope. I will buy your mom the new jacket if you'll hang out with me for three weeks. For three weeks. If you'll go out with me for three weeks, I will buy your mom the new jacket. Reluctantly, Cindy agrees. Her mom is, is no, none the wiser, and Ronald has a new girlfriend. And for the next three weeks, they hang out, and guess what? Surprise, surprise, Cindy starts to realize that Ronald Miller, Ronnie Miller, is a pretty great guy. And Ronnie Miller is starting to realize that he is popular. And at the end of the three weeks, Cindy cares about Ronnie. But Ronnie has got so caught up in, in, 
in being with the in crowd. He's gotten so caught up in, 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 in living this now popular life that he's forgotten why he started on this journey in the first place. To have Cindy give him the time of day. The whole purpose, the whole, the whole mission of his plan was, was to be able to spend time with Cindy so that she would come to know him and like him. And now that that is the case, he's completely forgotten about the original mission. Today we're starting a new series, sermon series, Seven Pictures. We're going to look at seven pictures painted in words that help us to understand who God calls us to be as individuals, as a church, as we prepare for the second coming of Jesus. Pictures of, of, of how our lives should be lived in preparation for the second coming of Jesus. These seven pictures come to us through seven letters written to seven churches that existed in the Greco-Roman world about 70 years or so after Jesus had died. And the 80s movie, Can't Buy Me Love, jumps into my head when I look at the first message that is written to the first church, the church of Ephesus. Let me read it to you and you tell me if you understand why it jumps into my head. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 1, and, and Mark in his children's story said, Paul, he knew that John wrote these, but he got quick in his children's story. But, but John, the revelator, is actually the one who wrote these letters to these seven churches. But these messages actually come straight from Jesus, and we'll see that in just a moment. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, and the word angel, angelion, is also means messenger, so it could say, to the messenger of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand, who walks among the seven lampstands. The first verse is a common formula for introducing messages from God. We don't see this in the English. It doesn't uh, depict this in the English, but the same words, uh, tade lege kurios, appear in the Greek version of the Old Testament known as the Septuagint over and over again. The same exact, the same exact phrase appears 21 times in the Minor Prophets. It appears 65 times in the book of Ezekiel. It, it appears 30 times in Jeremiah. And it is always a message from the Lord. So this message is from the Lord. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll see that, that more specifically, this message is from Jesus himself because the publishers put these words in red letters. And the message continues. I know your works your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary. These first three verses are amazing and if you add verse six to them as well, which says, you also have this, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. If you just had these four verses together, this is a picture of a very, what we would interpret probably as a very strong and a very solid church. This picture we'd say is a picture of a very 
familiar Adventist church standing for the truth, defending the truth, guarding the purity of the truth. A picture of a very strong and knowledgeable and and standard-bearing member not tolerating any evil. But it's not enough. Because verse 4 in Revelation chapter 2 says this, but I have this against you. You're doing all these things great, Jesus says to this church, but, but I have this against you. To the outside, this looks amazing, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned. Some of your versions say, but you have left. Some versions say, but you have forgotten. Some say you have forsaken your first love. You have abandoned, you have forgotten, you have forsaken your first love. In the movie I referenced at the beginning of this sermon, towards the end of it, and this is maybe why you'll understand why this movie pops into my mind, towards the end of it, Ronnie has realized the error of his ways and, and, and he makes this speech to Cindy. He, he, he pronounces this or gives this speech to Cindy. He says, Cindy, Cindy, just hear me out. And then I'll leave you alone. Okay? She says, fine. He says, oh, you, you demolished me at, on New Year's Eve. Uh, Cindy had, had told everyone how he had paid her to hang out with him for three weeks. So he's become the pariah now. He says, you demolished me on New Year's Eve. But, but see, I realize, he says, you did me a favor. You brought me back to reality. All I ever wanted to do, he says, was to get close to you. And then when I finally got there, I was someone else. I wasn't me anymore. Don't worry, I didn't have that memorized. I had to go and look it up online. But his whole focus had been Cindy. The, the whole, the beginning of everything had been that he wanted Cindy Mancini's attention. Then one day he woke up and he had that attention, but he wasn't the same person anymore. He'd forgotten the original mission. He was so caught up in being the person that could be with Cindy Mancini that he no longer remembered the, in, the original mission. All I wanted was for you, your attention. And then when I got it, I wasn't me anymore. Did some of us, have some of us, started out on this journey with Jesus we began on a journey with Jesus and Jesus was our everything and Jesus was all we talked about and Jesus was all we thought about and we wanted everyone to experience the same level of joy and passion for Jesus that we had. But then somewhere along the way, we forgot our primary mission, our primary objective to be in love with Jesus. Now, when I say that, those words, to be in love with Jesus, I, I don't want us to hear just sentimentality. When I use that phrase, to be in love with Jesus, I don't want us to, to just think of emotionalism or a, a feeling in my heart. Do I still have that feeling for Jesus? Those are the words we read, and, and, and love is often conveyed simply in and emotion and, and, and feeling in our society. But, 
But the meaning is much larger than that. The meaning goes beyond just emotion and sentimentality. There's something else that Jesus is saying here, and it's nuanced, and we have to dig deeper to understand what it is. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Repent and do the works you did at first. If we read that text quickly, it may seem like what the people in Ephesus have down, actually what they do well, is works. And indeed, they have worked hard to protect the purity of the message. Indeed, they have worked hard to to battle evil in their midst. Indeed, they have worked hard to call out false prophets and and to get rid of the the air in their midst. Indeed, they have worked well uh, fighting the Nicolaitans, again, another group of false teachers, and and they despise their teachings, and, and Jesus does too, and so he's appreciative of that. They've done a great job being standard bearers for truth, but, but what this shows us, do the works you did at first, shows us that there's a work that they have forgotten. The love here being spoken of is not just about an emotion. It's not just about a sentiment in their hearts. It's actually about an emotion and a sentiment that is led towards a specific work. It is a work that is only displayed through the outflow of love. And that work is this. Zealous, on fire, passionate, witnessing. Zealous, on fire, passionate, witnessing. When Jesus says you have forgotten your first love, what he's saying is you no longer are passionate to witness for me. He's not talking, Jesus is not talking exclusively about an emotion. He's talking about the action that should result from the proper emotions, which is to be the bright and shiny and bold and evervescent and ever-present witnesses for Jesus. This is how the church of Ephesus started. But now they're still protecting the truth. They're still guarding the truth. They're still making sure that, the, that those inside the walls of their building are, are safe and sound. They're making sure that everyone knows that they know the truth that they understand the truth, but they are no longer being zealous witnesses for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you wonder if you have forgotten your first love, here is the answer. How much are you talking to others about Jesus? How how often are you looking for opportunities to share Jesus with others? This is what it means by forgetting your first love, that you are no longer actively talking about or sharing Jesus with others. Now you may say, I don't agree with you, Chad. It's it's about the heart. It's It's not about salvation by works. No, 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 no. You're saved by grace through faith so that no one can boast. But if you're truly in a saving, loving relationship with Christ, there'll be a desire, there'll be a passion, there'll be an earnestness to witness but don't take my word for it. I'm going to show you three authorities. I'm going to give you three authorities. And each of these authorities are, are progressively greater. And what I mean by that is one authority is just they're an authority because they're smarter than me. 
One is an authority because of the prophetic insights they have, and then one is, of course, the ultimate authority. So three authorities, and then you can decide for yourself if this is an accurate view of this. The first authority is G.K. Beale. G.K. Beale is a well-respected New Testament scholar. He uh, uh, wrote, he's the author of the New International Greek Testament commentary on the book of Revelation. Very knowledgeable in his understanding of, of the Greek language, very knowledgeable in his understanding of the New Testament, very un- knowledgeable in his understanding of, of, of much of Revelation. And he writes this, speaking of the church of Ephesus, although they were ever on guard to maintain the purity of the apostolic teaching, the Ephesian Christians were not diligent in witnessing to the same faith in the outside world. This is what is meant when Christ chastises them for having left their first love. The point is not primarily that they had lost their love for one another, as argued by most commentators, nor is the point merely that they had lost their their love for Christ in general, as some commentators also think. The idea is that they no longer expressed their former zealous love for Jesus by witnessing to Him in the world. Bill goes on to say, This is why Christ chooses to introduce Himself as He does in verse 1. His statement that He walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands is intended to remind the introverted readers that their primary role in relation to their Lord should be that of a light of witness to the world outside. That is one authority. Renowned New Testament scholar. What is being talked about here is not an emotion. It's about that they lost their zealous passion to witness to the outside world. But let me give you a higher authority than that. Ellen White, in the book Acts of the Apostles, she says that Ephesus is a picture of, of all the churches throughout history. A reminder to all of us. And in the chapter titled Revelation, I believe it's chapter 57 in the book Acts of the Apostles, she writes this, At the first, the experience of the church at Ephesus was marked with childlike simplicity and fervor. The believers sought earnestly to obey every word of God, and their lives revealed an earnest, sincere love for Christ. They rejoiced to do the will of God because the Savior was in their hearts as an abiding presence. Filled with love for their Redeemer, listen to this, filled with love for their Redeemer, their highest aim was to win souls to Him. You see how she connects this idea of, of hearts being full of love and their passion to win souls for Christ? She continues, They felt the importance of their calling and, the waited, and waited with the message on earth, peace, goodwill toward all men. They burned with desire to gary, carry the glad tidings of salvation to earth's remotest bounds. And the world took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus, sinful men, repentant, pardoned, cleansed, sanctified, were brought into partnership with God through His Son. A second authority, Ellen White, connecting the idea that, 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 that the love that was in the church of Ephesus' heart at the beginning was a manifestation, was manifested through witnessing to others, through growing the church. And then finally, the highest authority, the Word of God. 
The idea of losing a first love is, is tantamount to losing one's witness. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you have them there, to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, and I'll be reading from verses 12 through 14. And while you're turning there, I want you to remember this. Matthew chapter 24 is the signs that Jesus gave for the last days. Remember, I said this sermon series is seven pictures of God's people how God's people should, should act and live in preparation for the second coming of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 24 is, is the signs of the last days, and we're, we're talking about how we should live in preparation for the second coming of Jesus. And Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 12, connects this idea to, of love and the outflow of love being witnessing. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, there's going to be many that they lose their love for Christ, but those that endure will maintain their love for Christ. And now listen to the verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. Do you see the connection there? Some will lose their love for Jesus. The Gospel of Matthew writes. But others will endure, meaning they will still love Jesus. And what will the evidence of that love be? What will the evidence of those individuals that are still in love with Jesus in the last day be? They will be proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ throughout the whole world. Brothers and sisters, are you in love with Jesus? One of the ways to check is are you talking with others about Jesus? Your witnessing won't save you, but your witnessing is evidence that you are in love with the one who can save you. Jesus then gave this appeal at the end of the book of Revelation or at the end of this message to this first church, Revelation chapter 2. Jesus gave this appeal and, and it's why we need to heed this and, 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 and assess our lives very seriously. Jesus gave this appeal to the church of Ephesus. He tells them, remember therefore from where you have fallen, which we just read. Remember that you fell from this height. And repent and do the works you did at first. If not, he says, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. I believe that every person that has a real life conversion experience with Jesus at some point in their life has also had the real life experience that they just want to share Jesus with others. They want others to know and to understand the beauty of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, if that has never been you, then I would encourage you to, to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart. To ask him to save you from your sins. There, there will be a passion for Jesus that, is, that, that you cannot control. You might do weird things. Prior to Jesus, I used to hang out at Denny's till early, early in the morning morning hours I'd hang out there with my friends and we'd be be smoking and doing things after I accepted Jesus I would go to Denny's with my buddy 
uh, my new Christian buddy and I would sit there at Denny's late at, late at night and, and we'd put the Bible on the table and, and we'd, we'd look for opportunities to tell the, the waitresses about Jesus. I mean, I had weird bleached hair and, and I looked funny and these ladies knew me from before from being with a whole different crowd and now I was there wanting them to know about Jesus. Sometimes we'd put our, our Bibles on the edge of the table hoping they'd get knocked off the table. We didn't know any better. We were just trying to figure out a way to talk about Jesus. And then we thought if they, they picked up the Bible and said sorry, we could ask them something about Jesus if someone walked by and knocked it off the table. I mean, we just had this passion for Jesus. I believe that every person, they might not do that weird a thing, but, but every person that has had a real encounter with Jesus wants to share with others and wants others to experience that same passion for Jesus. That's what it looks like to be in love with Jesus. Brothers, if that has never been you, ask Jesus to come into your heart and he can do that for you. But brothers and sisters, if that has been you and it's not you anymore, if you look at your life and you realize, you know what? I don't share Jesus with anybody anymore. I expect the church to do it all. I expect the pastor to do it all. If that's not you anymore, Remember from where you've fallen and go back to that. Ask Jesus to give you that, that first love passion again. Three authorities. J.K. Beale. The lampstand was to indicate that we're to get outside the walls and to be lights to our world. Ellen White. The first love experience was evidenced in the rapid growth of the church, she says. And then, of course, Jesus himself said that in the last days, those who have endured, those who have held on to my, their love for me, will proclaim the gospel to all the world. Brothers and sisters, are you in love with Jesus? Brothers and sisters, are you talking about Jesus? Are you in love with Jesus? Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every heart here. I, I want to be a person that is ready for the second coming of Jesus. I want to be a person that is, that is a picture of those that will be living in the last days. Those that will be standing with you, Jesus, in the last days. Those that will endure when, when the love of the world grows cold and the love of many grows cold towards you, Jesus. I want to be one that endures and is in love with you. Lord, I know I'm not saved by any work, but, but, but you, you say by our fruits we will be known. And so, Jesus, I search my own heart. I search my own life to see evidence. Evidence of, am I in love with my Savior? Do I have such a passion for my Savior, that, that I must tell others about Him. Jesus, I pray that for me, and I pray that for everybody watching here. Maybe they've never had a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they've been a Christian their whole life in some ways, but they've never actually had that true fire experience. Lord, I pray right now that you'll send the Holy Spirit into their homes even now and convict them. Convict them, Jesus, with your power. Lord, if there's some that, that had this passion at one time, but it's gone, 
They've gotten so caught up in, in all the other things of being the church, of being a Christian, that, they, that they've forgotten what the purpose was all about when they started. To help others experience the same love for you. Lord Jesus, convict those hearts too. Soften us all and may we be a people. People in love with Jesus. Zealous in our witnessing for you. In your name we pray. Amen.